Welcome back to Breakthrough, Waking Up to the Real You. I am your host, Alejandra Vivanco. Thank you for joining me today. Happy Monday. We are just four chapters away and we're done. This episode is going to condense um, episode five and six. Just I have some really good pointers that I want to talk about. And also I want to make sure that you guys are you know, getting something from the the episodes, from the books, if you have a favorite book or do you have any recommendations. I have a long lineup of books that I'm going to be doing. So let me know. You know that my Instagram is at alevivanco29. That's the only social media I have. And um, you can always, I think, if you have an anchor.fm account, you can send me a voice message over there. So there is a lot to dissect, as in a lot of terms. He he talks a lot about, you know, definitions about being and God and uh, the inner body and uh, the, um, the God within, the Buddha and all that. And the whole point of him using these terms is for, it's, he says they are signposts for you to look at. They are not the destination. They're just pointing towards the direction that you should go or where you should explore. By the end of the day, you know, after finishing the book, if you were to read it, he's not telling you what to do per se, or he's not telling you how you're going to feel. As in, the only person who can have that experience is you. There's no other person that can experience, let's say, enlightenment for you. You know, Jesus did that. Buddha did that. And even then, we we put them on a pedestal. There's a hierarchy. There is a, a, a separate, you know, situation with them. There's never us being like them or everybody being together as one because we are all a part of the creation, consciousness, God, however, you know, what, whatever works for you when it comes to definition. So it's important when when you read this book to not get caught up in being and presence and what does this mean and is this consciousness, is this self-awareness because it's about you trusting that feeling of maybe there is something more than just the limiting beliefs I have and uh, this body that I occupy and these thoughts that I have inherited and all of these things that I am bringing into the table that are more external than internal. So he talks about the importance of the Christ within. So we can, um, you know, if we are open to that possibility, we can connect with the Christ within, which is the gut within, which is the, the Buddha in you, consciousness, being, presence, however you want to call it. And understanding that there is no separate Christ from me. We're all one. As in, you know, he talks about people killing other humans. And it's, it's, it's a part of the human race. It's a part of humanity. We cannot separate ourselves from it. And I remember when I, uh, I was watching one of the many Jordan Peterson uh, videos, he he was fascinated and interested in how the Nazis came about, how it actually happened, how 
one person and then so many people got together to do the atrocities atrocities they did. And he says, you know, when people right now think back, they 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 separate themselves from the Nazis because they think they have labeled them as horrible human beings and there there is a sense of us being separate from them and you know when you see the guards when you when you really get into it they're just regular people like you and me that engaged in this behavior and if you have uh, read books or seen videos you know the camps were not very far away from the people either there were camps that were the other side had you know just families. So, because a lot of people didn't know what was going on during that time. So Jordan Peterson says that by, you know, when he researched the World War II, he realized that there is more of a possibility that you and I could have been a guard than not. Because usually people say, no, I would never do that. But he's like, no, it's by that time, how many people were involved in keeping these concentration camps going and, you know, being a part of the Hitler crowd, it was way more than not. So it's kind of impossible to believe that it, in, on those, in those circumstances, somebody like you and me couldn't have done that. And it's true. I think that when it comes to the atrocities we can do and we're able to do, we will, we would never accept that that is a part of us as human beings, as, as nature, as, you know, when you really think about it. And I think that is one of the many issues we have with coming to terms with the things we do and being in denial all the time if we ever were to accept that we're capable of that, we would automatically label our, ourselves as bad. And because we never want to be bad people or, or a bad person, we deny that side of that. We are, we are capable of killing someone. That is not very far-fetched. That's just a, a reality. The reasons why you would kill someone, those may vary, but... At the end of the day, we are like animals. Now, we don't behave like animals at times, but sometimes we do. And even in nature, you know, death is welcomed, but they are not doing it just because at times. They're doing it because of survival. We do it because we are in pain and there's anger and there's no resources and we are very ignorant or we're very negligent or, you know, there's special cases where people just want to kill people. But if we cannot get in touch and accept the fact that we are, we can't, we have the potential of being monsters, however you want to define it. The, the whole point is not about demonizing us if we are able to do something. It's just a matter of us accepting that that's a possibility. That's a, a road we can all take. If we cannot get in touch with that without shame, we're never going to be able to change. We're never going to be able to have control over our own bodies, over our own emotions, because living in denial doesn't really help. It's kind of like those people who go to church and, you know, they think that by praying their sins away, they're going to somehow cure it, when in reality, 
you know, when we let's talk about rapists and um, sexual offenders, they are not just a monster hiding in the woods. They are people in our families. There are people that are able and capable of doing that, or they are people who, who do that. And then there's a whole structure, a fam- family structure that protects them as well. You know, and that you have heard this before, not believing the child because, you know, oh, that's my favorite son. You, let's not go far away. You know, the queen, the queen just died when I'm recording these, uh, these episodes. And, you know, he, her son was a close friend with Jeffrey Epstein who had this pedophile island. And, you know, if you don't know the story, Google that, Prince Andrew and all that. So... We need to accept that that's happening with people that we're emotionally attached to, unfortunately, because, and I I, I had somebody comment something on my Instagram the other day, which was, you know, there is a difference that I think we need to define, you know, love is unconditional by definition, and then there's emotional attachment. And I commented, you know, it's emotional attachment is not love, as in pleasure is not happiness. Because when you feel pleasure, then that means that there's going to be pain eventually what gives you pleasure. But when it comes to emotional attachment, the, uh, the person asked me, what's wrong with that? When we're emotionally attached to things, let's say, it's hard for us to let go of them. Nothing belongs to us. Is that is that something that we can be clear on and if you're emotionally attached to things or people your vision will be not a hundred percent clear there will be some fog because you are seeing the person through your opinion of them through your projection of them through your eyes and not seeing the situation clearly just because you love someone doesn't mean that they don't they they are not going to make mistakes and they don't need to take responsibility for what they have done I remember many years ago, a friend of mine, um, we were talking and he said that, you know, if what would you do if your dad, you know, was being looked for by looked by the police and they wanted to take him to jail? Would you hide him? And I said, no. And he said, well, you don't have a heart. So their definition of I love you has nothing to do with love, because at the end of the day, there is like a I believe there's like a higher um, energetically speaking, you know, situation happening where love is universal. And if, if taking, you know, making somebody accountable for what they did has nothing to do with us loving them or not. As a matter of fact, I think that you would show more, more love and respect to someone if you make them you know, be responsible for what they did instead of enabling them for some reason, in the society that I grew up in, we believe that if we enable people, if we perpetuate the bullshit, we're loving people. And I, I, I just don't understand how that's possible. We end up destroying many lives by following this way of thinking. You can love someone. And love is not conditioned to something. If your family member that you love so much tomorrow, you find out they're a pedophile, 
your opinion of them may change, but the love should be still there. They are a monster and they deserve to, you know, be brought to justice. And you can be disappointed, hurt, and there's there's a lot of things that you can be. But that doesn't mean that if you know something and you don't say something, that means that you love them. How is that love? First of all, you have to love yourself. And I don't think that we encourage that enough because we don't have a barometer of how things, you know, should should go on the scale. If I have a family member that I am emotionally attached to and I want to protect at all costs, I won't do the right thing. The right thing meaning that everybody is responsible for their own actions and behaviors and they should always face the consequences accordingly. I am not going to get in front of the bullet because they did something that they they, you know, they shouldn't have done. And I think that we we tend to kind of put everything in one pot because of the way we grew up. And we think that if I save them, then that's uh, I'm a good person or that's my role or no, they can't. Everybody has to face pain. Everybody needs to face consequences. Everybody's going to suffer. We cannot make their suffering our own. We cannot make their life our own. We cannot basically all merge into one thinking that we have to save everybody. And if they cannot deal with it, then I have to deal with it. That's how we make people, you know, not able, not capable. They have to do it on their own. But there is this way of thinking that I, I find I find very interesting because, of course, we don't question the way we think. If we do, it's, it's like a very uh, small percentage of people. But we don't really question the fact that we tend to co-sign bullshit all the time. If my best friend is doing something and she has to face the consequences, I love you very much, but you're a big girl, you gotta figure it out. You have to face the music. We cannot always sacrifice ourselves and our values for somebody we think we need to protect. And I think we make fairy tales just like we do when, when, when we talk about, you know, romantic relationship, but we create fairy tales of how things should be. And the world needs to bend to our rules and needs instead of us understanding how the world works and how if you make a mistake, you have to face the consequences, whatever they may be, instead of trying to babying your people around you. And that's how we create and perpetuate these, you know, th these burdens that we take on because that's what mom did. That's what dad did. That's what I saw my grandmama do. Okay, did it work for them? No. So... Eckhart says that we all carry a light in us. That's spirit, consciousness, however you want to call it. And that's basically our, our true self. And if you, follow the, if you follow the light within, you're going to basically in, re reach freedom and possibly enlightenment. And we can look outside of ourselves for people, you know, like podcasts, videos, 
seminars, books, teachings, gurus, and all that. But the every everything that I just mentioned is just going to assist you in something that you must do ultimately on your own. So remember, we cannot enter the path of awareness or self-awareness, consciousness, potentially enlightenment, potentially, you know, anything that has to do with us getting connected with the God within. We cannot enter that route. We cannot enter that street in our minds. It's impossible. We need to feel it. It's a feeling. And we can all describe it. We can sit around. We can talk about the feeling. But there's nothing that is going to make you understand that until you actually go through it and feel it. I can talk about the dark night of the soul. Eckhart talks about it. I don't remember if it's in this book or the other book, but both books kind of talk about the dark night of the soul. We can talk about it all day, all night. But until you go through it, you won't really understand what we're talking about. And that's not something you think about because you don't have any power over that happening. It happens and you have to just go through it. Now, we, we can stop it. We can work around it. We can deny it and all that. We're, we're just perpetuating suffering. But at the end of the day, if you don't go through it, then you're not going to be able to know Let's talk about, you know, people who have given birth and you can describe that all day to me, all night, but the feeling, something happens in you that I'm never going to experience because I have made a choice to not be a mother. So you, we can talk about it, but only people who have given birth know what it really feels like to push life out of you. So that's why Eckhart says we shouldn't get caught up in the words because or try to understand it. So how does this work? We can know all the mechanics of something. We can write it down. We can speak it. Again, we can all have conversations. But the point is that the only way to ultimately know is to go through it. And the whole point of us being on earth is just for us to experience something. And then in that experience, we need to understand that our bodies are, first of all, they are just, they're not, they're, they are finite. And they are, are, they are a shell of who we truly are. So if you think of spirit and the light of, you know, if you have seen ghosts before, you know, there is something in you beyond the body because the body will die eventually. The cells will stop, you know, being alive. Everything will just fade away. And so the when you see somebody that's dead, you know that their essence is gone. So that essence, that's them. That's the spirit. So if we can just connect to that essence, again, not, not thinking about it, just connecting feeling it within, then Eckhart says that we wouldn't get so caught up in the everyday things because feeling that, and I cannot describe it either, but feeling that gives you a perspective that you cannot reach until you go through it. 
And remember, the time we have here on Earth is very limited compared to the eternal. So the less we identify with forms and what's outside and the goals and all that, that again, that doesn't mean that you don't have them. It just means that you don't live just for them and they don't define you. The better connected we will all be. So he, he talks about a great example, the honey example, which is we can, let's say you and I have never tasted honey. We can read about it. We can define it. We can learn it. We can look at it. We can describe it. We can talk about it. But nothing will give you the taste of honey until you try it, right? That's basically what he's talking about in the book. Because the questions that he gets, obviously, it's not from one person. It's just different people that have had the same questions. It's all about trying to understanding in the terms of, you know, definitions and the mind. And what what does this mean? And what does that mean? And to some extent, we can all understand. It's like, if you're talking to me, I want to try to understand. But it's not about understanding in the mind. It's about the inner feeling that it's a deep understanding. That's the way, the best way I can describe it. It's a deep understanding or a deeper understanding to what he's talking about. Because it's more about a soul connection, uh, a connection with God, a connection within, instead of just understanding terms and trying to figure out, you know, uh, what the puzzle is. But you, obviously we cannot blame the mind because that's the mind's job is trying to figure it out. So on chapter six, he talks about the inner body and how if we just practiced, you know, feeling the inner body, we could, we can get to a point where we can be present. So all our energy, instead of projecting your fears into the future or your hope into the future or, you know, thinking about the past and what happened and all that. If, if we could just focus on that feeling, inner feeling, if you close your eyes and just breathe and try to feel your body, what's happening inside, that's a state of uh, awareness, connectedness. You're fully in your power. And then from that moment, it just, everything that you choose to do gets that that attention gets like a 5% attention. That doesn't mean that you are not giving it your full attention. It just means that you're not just engaging in thinking and then, you know, you become the mind and you are the thinker and not the observer. So it's about us focusing on the only thing that's right now real, which is the inner body. Because remember, whatever you're thinking that you're going to do, it doesn't exist. Until you get there, it doesn't exist. So using our energy wisely and connecting with that inner light that's going to anchor us, that's going to ground us in this moment so that we don't operate from fear, we operate from awareness. So there is one person that says in one of the questions in the book, He's like, well, I try to connect with that, what you're talking about, and I felt uncomfortable. And this kind of connects to everything that I've been talking about. The reason why we're not able to really just sit, breathe, and be still is because there are things happening in us, you know, the emotional body or the, the pain body. There's things that are happening in us. There's emotions that are not resolved that 
are living in us constantly and we're not dealing with them. So our response, because it helped us in the past, our response or reaction is to run away from them. And the best way to run away from pain or something that makes you feel uncomfortable is by focusing on the outside. People that constantly are on the go and they mask that on the go with I'm a hustler or I have goals that I want to meet. I have deadlines that they have self, if everything is self-imposed, nobody told you that, but everything is self-imposed or if somebody told you, you already accepted it as a truth. But there is something that happens that inside of you, it's just not right. And I've met people and I've been one of those people that they really are on the go. And the only way they can go to sleep is by being so tired that your body just needs to clock out. So I think that the biggest problem we have with trying to connect with that light within, the God within, the Buddha in you, um, the inner body, you know, the, 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 the life that's in you, that's you, is trauma. Because when we are operating from survival or when we are in pain and trauma and we perpetuate suffering in our lives and perpetuate pain, we are not able to be open to the idea of not doing, not thinking. Because remember, all these patterns that we follow, we created them when we were younger. And the problem is that we never revisit them in a way that we can we can basically face them and then let them go. It's in the, the letting go is a huge problem. And so we carry a lot of things that happen to us, experiences, a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts, unresolved issues that we couldn't deal with back then. And then life happened. You know, you grow up, you have to do, you have to work, you have to study. And there are many things that we just put away in our mind. And so to think that now Eckhart is saying, hey, in the power of now, you have to stay fully present in your own inner body. Well, that's not that's not possible. That's uh, that's a problem. I can't. It's uncomfortable and I'm not going to. And so we start denying the, the now and in that denying of the now and the, the resistance and the non-acceptance of what is, that's how we become zombies and we just mask our pain as either you go one side, which is you become addictive or you self-prescribe uh, medication or you do things to kind of destroy your life or... You can go the opposite side and then you begin to do more and achieve more and accumulate. And so not being able to stay present and facing what is, which is you, it's only you versus you. I know that Instagram loves some good quotes and it's you versus you. Look in the mirror. That's your competition. To some extent, that is true, but it's not about you always, you know, having to race somewhere. It's you just looking at yourself and saying, what 
is happening right now that it's making me feel so uncomfortable? What is happening right now that makes me feel so sad? What is happening right now that I'm feeling this way and I'm not able to be fully present? And life says, here are some triggers. I'm going to send you a bunch of people and situations that are going to trigger you. And that's only for you to take them as a sign, as a signpost, as you know, it's like, look at here, look here, pay attention to this so that you can deal with whatever the feeling is. What we do is we look at the situation, we look at people, we look at the trigger and and we focus on them because it's easier to see the mistake on the other than to point the finger back at us and say, what's going on? Why is this bothering me? And the answers, you're I don't think we're ever gonna get to, I haven't get to like the bottom line, like what's happened, what's the root issue, what's the seed, probably. And if we do, the feeling is still going to be lingering. But what is possible is for us to be curious curious enough to go layer by layer, feel it instead of resisting, acknowledging instead of denying, so that we're able to let some of that pressure out and we can begin to entertain the thought of being fully present in our bodies. And that's what meditation is for. Focusing on the breath, just giving the mind a break. So everything that I'm telling you is not something that I can make you do, obviously. But furthermore, the way that I speak on it it's because I have already experienced it and I know it's a possibility. That doesn't mean I am uh, in, in, in enlightenment because there's a lot of layers to uncover. But I do know that at least I am open and able to understand from a deeper level what Eckhart is talking about. And I do understand why some people may not understand it as well or deny it. You have to be ready to receive the messages when they come. And it's not about you thinking about it. It's something else in you happening that kind of is drawn to the message. So if you're constantly escaping something, if you're using substances to kind of quiet your mind, if you don't like being alone, if you don't like not doing, then there is something in you that's happening, that it's making you behave and act the way you're acting. And it's only up to you as the individual to want to break free from that. And sometimes it's hard because that's the only thing we know, or sometimes it's hard because that's the best way we have figured out that that's how our life should be in order for us to survive. So we're constantly on survival mode. But the great thing about this, like Eckhart says, we cannot teach you anything you don't already know. The answers I don't have, the answers you have. When you go to a therapist, the therapist is not telling you information. The therap a good therapist will ask you and challenge what you think and help you feel in a safe space. But that therapist will only be able to do that if you allow them to. I've talked about this in the past. I've gone to therapy 
three different therapists. None of them worked like what I did with myself because I was ready. I was able. And I found my way out of that pit that I'm still trying to, you know, see where it's going to take me. But I don't worry about it. I'm just, you know, engaging in this moment. So a great way for you, if you're interested, if you're open and able, you know, there's meditation, there's yoga, and you have to find the right, again, just like a therapist, you have to find the right video or audio or person, uh, the right teacher, whether that's yoga, whether you do kickboxing or anything. But there's also nature available to you 24-7. If you happen to live near nature, trees, you know, uh, green fields or hiking trails like I do, going in there and getting lost for a moment really helps you not think about things. Because you're in awe with nature. Connecting with nature and not thinking about it really helps you become present because nature just is and to us it's a little bit chaotic at times depending on what trails you choose to go to and you have to be fully alert and present that's how we can reconnect with ourselves with the god within give ourselves a break so that when we come out of it and we engage in thinking it's coming out a little differently. There's a fresh perspective, maybe. And I'm going to end this episode with what Eckhart says. You know, um, remember, psychological time is everything that happened to you, all the things that you're carrying from the past, which is different from clock time, which is, you know, schedules, appointments, and what time it is, and uh, what's, where, when is the next meeting. So when it comes to psychological time, he says that it's important for us to drop it, as in face it, as in resolve the trauma, face the issues, be honest with yourself and all that that we've talked about. Because once you're fully present and you're not thinking about things that happened to you 10 years ago or reliving them, then you're able to be present with the other person that's talking to you. And we don't really talk about this much. When you're really in conversation with someone, some of us try to get ahead of the answer. Some of us are thinking about something else. And you can tell. I've met people like this, especially in California. You couldn't have a real conversation with them. They were always thinking about something. You could tell they were thinking about something else. They were always, I don't know, they were somewhere else. And there was no, that's why there, there was no real connection. So it was a very, very few and far in between that you can find somebody that was really present, as in interested. So that's why when it comes to giving advice, and we come from a good place. We come from an honest, trying to help people place. But when it comes to advice, we don't know if we're giving the right advice or, or if advice is needed because sometimes people just want to be heard. And if we are actively listening to them, we wouldn't impose anything. We would just be there for them. Sometimes people don't want an answer. They just want to talk. They want to talk it out. 
in a way that they can get to wherever they need to go with your help and assistance of just listening. Most of us don't want you to tell us what we need to do. We just need to figure it out. And that's something that I've learned to do on my own because I, I notice that I, I just don't want people to tell me what to do because I know what I'm supposed to do, but I need to get there on my own. If not, it doesn't feel real. It feels imposed. It feels fake. So when we're truly present, we can listen to other people and their actual needs. And somebody that does an amazing job at listening is Ian Lavansant. And I'm always going to bring her back because she is just amazing at what she does. Because she can see beyond your words, she's, your body language, the tone. You, you're saying this, but I'm hearing that. So there is a... There's a craft that needs to be explored if we are willing to, that it's active listening to other people so that we can stop repeating ourselves and telling people what we think they need or what we think they should do and we just are open to whatever that is, whatever they need, whatever they want. So that's the end of... Chapter five and six, one of them is the state of presence and the other one is the connecting with the inner body. Again, if this is helpful, if you're interested, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, we still have four chapters or so to go. I don't know if I'm going to be combining more of it or not, but it's available anywhere. It's a little bit repetitive, as I said, but I think that if you're somebody who wants to know how the mind works, I think that these questions help us understand it more because we all come from different backgrounds and some words can trigger us more than others. And I think that people tend to take some words personally or to not believe in things and try to question them even more to try to get to the bottom of it. And the beauty of all of this is that you're not going to get there through the mind. And I think that the best way to get there is to go back in time, deal with whatever we need to deal with, reparent our inner child, grieve the losses, feel the feelings so that we can make space for that inner light. All right, that is it. And with that, I say till next time. Bye.